Welcome Mistakers and Mistakers on Mistakers.co podcast and do not forget, there is nothing like failure. My name is Flo like Florian. For the last 10 years, I've been setting up startups from Colombia to Georgia through France and Dubai, going from mobile applications to websites and automation SaaS solutions with always a French touch of digital marketing. After struggling in a lot of aspects and after learning from my own mistakes, I decided to help other entrepreneurs by sharing more stories, learnings and experiences. Mistakers.co is the weekly podcast where I'm doing the interview of entrepreneurs worldwide. Our main goal is to share their learnings and experiences by commenting their own failures and stories. Far from being an easy task, it will take us through the big and small startups from single entrepreneurs to bigger companies. If you're looking to solve your current problems by learning from others, this podcast is made for you. So join us on mistakers.co and you can also find us on the main podcast platforms like Spotify and iTunes. And don't forget, subscribe to our newsletters to receive the freshest information. And keep in mind, there is nothing like failure. The first season of Mistakers.co is sponsored by Andrew Startup. For the last 12 years, Andrew has been supporting the growth of startups, but don't get me wrong, there is supporting and supporting. Andrew helps dozens of companies and got three exits, three exits in millions of dollars. His current portfolio includes companies like OLX, Tinder, and Startup Green. Even though I've been doing the same job for about 10 years, I'm consulting him when it comes to the release of new projects or the kickoff of new ventures. When it comes to Grossaking, he's definitely one of the most talented person I've ever met and worked with. Andrew is offering us a 15% exclusive discount on his current Grossaking course for the listeners of Mistakers.co. To benefit from this offer, just visit us at mistakers.co slash Andrew mistakers.co slash n-n-d-r-e-w mistakers.co slash andrew this course is coming with videos ready to use documents and most important one-to-one call with andrew himself everyone with today uh, broadcasting live from Bali, where I have the chance, the pleasure of interviewing Jonas, who will come and explain one of the most uh, interesting experience for entrepreneurs, going from Alibaba to Amazon with all the ups and downs. So Jonas, welcome on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks. Jonas, um, before we start digging into this experience you have on Amazon, can you tell us a bit more about you as an entrepreneur? When did you start your journey as an entrepreneur? Well, when I started my journey as an entrepreneur, that was when I was six years old. And uh, my, what I did is I went to the fridge of my parents. I stole the milk, I stole the apple juice, I stole cheese, I stole everything and put this in my room. And then I put this just on the floor in my room and I put little price tags on this. I said like one euro, two euros, and I just put price tags on this. And then I would go around in my little village, me six years old, and I make flyers. Like I, I, I paint them myself. I, I could hardly, hardly like write because I was just going to school and just learned about how to write. And then I was giving the flyers to strangers and saying, hey, I opened a supermarket and you should come to the opening on Sunday and buy something. 
So it was like the first, the first time ever I was, you know, like I remember my, my parents were laughing so hard and they were saying like, okay, this guy is going to be a businessman one day. And I think that's what I wanted to do since I was young, right? to be a businessman and start my own business. So, yeah, so you started at six years old, but back then I'm pretty sure you didn't put the price in euros, right? Uh, it was not euros. Yeah, it was mark back then. Exactly. So you started being an entrepreneur back in the time of Mark, France, uh, Visitas, and all these ones. Exactly, yeah. So what did you parents, sorry, what did you parents think about this first experience? Like, were they like just amused, amazed? Did they try to help you to do more than that? I think they were, they were just laughing about this and then eventually they wanted their milk back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, so my parents are not entrepreneurial. They're just, you know, like uh, normal people working normal job and they were supportive, but also they did never really understand what I'm doing. And they wanted me to go to university or get some degrees. I was always saying, hey mom, I don't need a degree because I'm never going to apply anywhere. And there was always a little bit of, they, they were not sure if I would be able to do that because in their belief system, starting a business is super risky, super hard. You know, people fail all the time. And then also in their belief system, money is this evil thing. So if you, like all the rich people are bad people, you know, this is kind of the belief system that they have. Of course, they supported me. And of course, right now they are seeing that this works for me and they're happy for me. But it's, um, it's this normal environment where, where people just have like normal belief systems and it's not like super, like I couldn't learn from my parents how to start a business. So how did you feel the pressure of the family in them? Because like for lots of people listening to us, whenever there is no, let's say, push from the outside, when there is no support from the family, it's making it much harder because you miss, you know, really this impulse you need from people sometimes because being an entrepreneur is a journey with ups and downs. So sometimes you need to get external push. So as you did not get this push from your parents, did you find it through some relatives, books, friends of you? At some point, yeah, because at some point you just surround yourself with people who think similar to you. But in school, in high school, I was always like a little bit the weird guy, you know? Like people, they always looked at me like, okay, why is he doing that? Nobody understood what I was talking about and thinking about. And I think in the, you know, in the final, final year of high school in Germany, I don't know about France, maybe it's the same, there's like a yearbook where they give ratings for all the students. Like students rate each other. And I was voted for crazy about career or something like this like 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 he's taking his career too seriously or something like this so um yeah i think that's i was always like a little bit the weird guy but now 90 percent of my friends are entrepreneurs like you and 90 percent of people i surround myself with are on a similar path and now of course like there's a lot of support and a lot of understand each other so let's back in time you're six years old you start selling your parents uh, feature items on the yeah. streets then you go to college keep your degree did you get a degree in specific something specific no i made a compromise with my parents so i go there but i don't get the degree so yeah, I, I didn't go to university but i studied filmmaking at a film school because i was really passionate or i am really passionate about filmmaking as well and there was like a compromise that i could do like i i said i can't study anything serious in a classroom like law or medicine or anything like this you know economy something like this it's too boring for me i don't see the value in this 
but my parents really wanted me to have some kind of degree. They said, first, do a degree, get some certification, and then do whatever you want. If it fails, you have a plan B. So this, you know, like I said, okay, I go to movie school, I get my degree there, and then I start my own business, and this is something that they put this there is a there is a very interesting say that Indian people say. They used to say like, first be engineer, then decide what you want to do with your life. So for why this is definitely the kind of mindset got your parents back there, right? A little bit, yeah. And uh, between the six years uh, experience till now, have you got the chance and opportunity to set up some other business, other ideas? Um, so it's like, did you get um, other projects, other ventures, other try you've been, you did as an entrepreneur yeah, 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 during this time? Definitely. Give us a few ideas of projects you tried back then. Yeah. So first, I mean, being a filmmaker is always a little bit of entrepreneurial thing because when you start, there's a lot of challenges because making film is just very expensive. You need camera equipment, lights, you need actors, there's a lot of organization involved, a lot of project management involved, a lot of, you know, creating involved. So I made a lot of short movies, like just for fun with friends. And then at some point I thought, hmm, I could sell this to companies as a service. Like I could make ads for them, I could make image films for them. It's like what most filmmakers do at some point, you know, like when they start out. And then um, I, was, I was trying this, but the, the problem with this was that I had no idea about sales, I had no idea about funnels, lead generation, or anything like this. So I didn't have a system to get clients, and I got some clients, you know, randomly, some, some clients refer me to some other clients, but it was never, it was never making enough money for me to really live from that. And then I was freelancing as well, which is different to running a business, but it's the first time where the first step to running business like try to get your own money sustain yourself yeah exactly and then there's a lot of like ideas like hey we did this cool app or hey we did this cool platform or we did this like a lot of creative startup ideas that i never really followed for a long time because they were all not good ideas and uh, also i would not recommend anybody to start a creative business at first because nine out of ten businesses fail and this is because most people have this super creative idea to, you know, have the next Uber or the next Airbnb. And the problem with these cool creative startups is they usually fail. So what's better is first build a solid business that's proven to work business model, not reinvent the wheel. As soon as this is making you a good income, maybe you can automate this, maybe you can sell this company. And then you have some resources and you have some free time and you have the financial backup to have the cool creative stuff. I think that's also what we do, right? Like first you build a business, you work on this, and then now you're doing something more creative and more new. But yeah, and lots first of make money and then start to create the business of the other way. Lots of uh, people also decide to keep their job uh, as nine to six. The time they can start the business on the side, of course, yeah. and make sure that they don't run out of cash and do stupid decisions because of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting, but. Now the question, the question I have is like, you decided today to talk about your experience on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, explain us why you started to look at Amazon and seeing some opportunities for business there. Well, I, I just really wanted to start some kind of business, yeah. And then 
one of my best friends, his name is also Jonas. Uh, we are known as the Jonas Brothers, among <laughs> our friends. And uh, he, he had this idea for this cool product that's like a glasses case that is foldable. So you have like a case for your sunglasses or for your glasses. You can fold this and put this in your pocket. So we we had this idea, we went on Alibaba, we looked for companies who can produce this, and we thought, awesome, we found some companies, and we said, awesome, we're gonna put our logo on this, we're gonna make super fancy pictures and videos, because we're both filmmakers, so we know how to make really high professional pictures and videos, and then we said, okay, uh, let's try to sell this on Amazon, that's the easiest way, like, we were thinking about online store, or uh, sell this in the stores, and then we thought, well, Amazon is probably the easiest way, because many people make money on Amazon, so we can do that too, and yeah, this is this is what we started. It's, it's basically we just wanted to build some kind of business, and it seemed to be the easiest business model back then. It's, it definitely seems to be the easiest business model. But before you jumped into Amazon, uh, did you take the time to read some books, to watch some videos, or you just go with your guts and say, "Let's do it"? Uh, I'm like since I was like a kid. I'm like how to deduct, so I, I just learned things by doing that. So for example, I learned film editing by just doing it. I never did a course or lesson. And the same, I, I thought with Amazon, I, it's gonna be the same. I'm just gonna try, I'm just gonna make this work. Like, but that's what I thought. It, it, it was stupid. Like, I should have got, gotten some mentor or somebody who know how to do that. Books, course, learnings. Yeah, but I was just like, yo, it's gonna work, we're gonna make this work, we're smart. We, we, we know what we have to do. And then the Amazon business model is so appealing for beginners because it's, it's easy to understand, you know? What happens, you buy a product online uh, in China or Asia, you ship this to Europe, you put this on Amazon, people click on buy, and then Amazon is sending them a product and you get money. Like, that's really easy to understand. It's very, like, for beginners who don't know anything about business, like, I could even explain this to my parents, and they will understand like what's the idea behind this, right? But this doesn't mean that this is a good business model because there's uh, business models that are a lot that, like a lot more complicated, but so much easier to make money with them. Such as, I think. Uh, I mean, for example, digital marketing. It's, it's like if I would explain my parents something about Facebook ads, for example, how does this work, or SEO, how does this work? Um, if, if I would have explained this to my parents, they would probably have a hard time understanding this. But I'm not saying you can't create SEO without having a lot of experience about this. So for beginners, it's like, yeah, I don't know what SEO is, no idea how to sell this, how to make this work. There's no physical product, it's all service, it's all invisible. And this is why for beginners, it might be like, yeah, I don't understand this, that we do something with physical products. If I can share a bit of my experience in this regard, yeah. it's like, I was used of my of my grandparents not having any idea of my job. I was used to that my grandparents, it's fine. Yeah. I get it. Then came my parents. On this slide, they're trying to explain, but without being completely sure yeah. about what I was doing, they say like, one day my dad say to his dad, so fine, it's very simple. He spend the day on the computer and go out by night. Yeah. I was just like, you know, okay, somehow. But I realized that being digital marketing manager or being doing digital is something very weird when my brother who is like 20 years old, yeah. could not explain my job. Which yeah. is like, what do you do exactly? Uh, I don't know, digital stuff, you know. Yeah, I think it's the same, like, for, especially because for me, for the last two years, I was just traveling, 
I was like last year um, I, I've been to 12 countries in one year so it's like basically every month a new country and and this makes it even more weird for conservative like for people who are older than us and for people in conservative industries you know who have a normal job quote unquote they, they for them it's weird like yeah he's traveling he's doing I don't know something online something with digital marketing no idea what exactly he's doing so people can't understand this if they're not into this as well and this is maybe why many beginners don't think about this because it's not the most appealing business model um so let's go back to the, the amazon story you you have this cool idea for the bird box which by the way sounds like a very cool idea because like i guess it, it doesn't take space you can take it with you you won't damage your sunglasses yeah. so you have this cool idea and you go on alibaba yeah how many suppliers have you tried before actually you're doing the stuff well, we just contacted, I think, five or something. We just sent them, we just asked them to send a sample. Sending a sample is, it's not super expensive, but back then, also, you have to know I was super broke. Like, back then, I was making maybe 1,500 euros a month, which is in Germany a pretty bad salary. Like, like half of this already went for my rent, and then, you know, the other half for food. I was super broke, and, and, um, then a sample is maybe was fifty dollars to, to produce this and to send this over. So we got like five different samples from different companies. We chose the sample that we liked the best, and then we ordered, I think, a thousand pieces. And uh, have you tried to bargain the prices with the the suppliers, or you just say no, that's the quality I want? My feeling is that if suppliers, like we ordered a thousand pieces in the first in the first um, in the first order, but these suppliers. I mean, they produce all the glass covers for big companies, like for big brands. They are used to orders 10,000, 50,000, you know, like they don't really care about you as a shitty startup. Like a thousand pieces, it's not really interesting for them. They just do it, you know, they make a little bit of, of money on this and they hope that one day you become big. But you don't have a strong position to negotiate if you only order a thousand pieces. Sure. And, uh... There is one podcast that I will put in the notes of the of this one, which is one by Tim Ferriss when they going through a similar experience. And um, the guy is doing the interview with Tim Ferriss actually coming with this brilliant idea. When they contact the Alibaba supplier, they tell them, you know what, we we working from this big company out in uh, in, um, in Boston or I don't know where in the US. Uh, we're gonna have a board meeting so we can just order 100 pieces of product because we want to give them to all the board members that are going to come here and that the guy that's going to validate the thousand pieces and ten thousand pieces so yeah, we we're trying this too something similar we, we told them like we're a company from germany and we expect to buy this many like fifty thousand pieces within the next year but for now we only want to have thousand for testing the market or something like this but then also there's a big language barrier like there's so much cultural differences between europe and asia that and, and also language differences that it, it sometimes I think they just didn't really understand what we were saying and the other way around. You, I guess you mainly communicate by email. Uh, yeah, exactly. So even though by email it was not that simple to make clear requirements and understanding to each other. Yeah, exactly. Like later when the problem started, which we're probably going to talk about in a minute, when the problem started, we tried to talk with them on the phone as well and we called them. But basically all they said is that they can't understand us because we talk too fast, we have different accents, you know, we're not native speakers as well. And then they, they said, please, please send us email, please send us email. So, you know, when they read the messages, they can have a good translator on the side or something. But 
uh, on the phone, it's really, really hard. So we try to talk them on the phone to solve all problems that we have, but, but, but um, they asked us to do everything we could for. So you find the right suppliers, you order a thousand pieces, and you receive them. Uh, where did you store them? You receive them, you put them on the garage in Germany? Yeah, exactly. So, so we received the first thousand pieces, everything was good, quality was good, they looked amazing, exactly as we imagined. We took some super cool pictures, videos. If you, if you see our video and picture footage, you would think that we are really big, big brand, you know? And we'd be very happy if you can uh, we share in the podcast uh, links, uh, sure, the, sure. the link of these videos. Sure, I will. And um, we made some cool marketing and then we put them on Amazon, we created the Amazon store and uh, the Amazon shop online and that was all cool. We started selling them, we used keyword keyword marketing on Amazon, so we started selling them and it, it went really kind of automa automated, you know, like every day we check our emails, oh nice, at the sale today, oh two sales today, really nice. So we have this feeling that, oh, it's starting now, it's working now. But the big problem that we realized back then is we invested 3,000 euros in total, my business partner and I, so 1,500 euros per person. For what, sorry, what is money, your own money or your parents or your money? All, all money from our savings again, back then there was a lot of money for us, but we we said that this is, we, we were both determined to start a business and we knew that you have to invest before you want to start and like we, we were sure we don't make this work. And also we had a bit of the mindset, if it doesn't work, then at least we were. So we knew that there was absolutely no doubt that we want to invest this. We just said, this is what we have to do, let's do it. So this 3000 was for the first quarter, plus it was for, you know, some small things like um, we, we had to buy like some small item, items for the marketing and, and this and that, like just for the first, the first budget. So you put 2000 uh, euros, received the product, start there in Germany. And then did you start? You, you mentioned that you were doing some keyword uh, campaigns yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. Have you tried some of the promotion back then? So try yeah, social media ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we tried Facebook ads back then. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing. We didn't even know what a pixel was. We we were we were really really stupid with Facebook ads. They didn't really work, of course, because if you don't know what you're doing, of course they don't work. Um, then we were making some really cool campaigns, like for Christmas, like special Christmas campaigns, special Easter campaigns. But like our marketing was really good on point, but then the like the paid funnels and everything was really shitty. So again, like this upfront investment was also for the Facebook ads and everything. Then what we also did was we were going to local stores, of uh, like 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 stores that sell glasses, and we. Um, we basically sold them to them as well, so they can sell them to their clients. So we tried a lot of things. We were really entrepreneurial. I was back then. I had a job. I was just calling in sick to my job. I told my boss, "Hey, I'm sick. I can't come today." And then I took our covers and I went to all the stores in the city and I tried to sell them. It was really like door to door, you know, like knocking on doors, trying to sell them. Old school sales techniques. Yeah. And, uh... and then we we sold some, you know, and, and then we had like packages. So of course they got it a lot cheaper. Um, these, um, these stores, but they had to buy at least 10 of them. And then one store was pretty interested, he bought like 40 or something. I remember one day I was going to all the stores and then I made one sale and then I made another sale and I got this momentum. And I was like going from store to store, I figured the exact right things that I have to say to make the sale. And I sold, sold covers, like 
all products worth 1,000 euros in one day. And I was like the first time ever in my life, I was making like 1,000 euros in revenue in one day. I, don't, I remember like the feeling, it was insane. I was like calling my business partner, like, fuck, dude, I made 1,000 euros a day. We're gonna hire a sales team now. They're gonna make all 1,000 euros every single day. We're gonna, like, we're gonna go international. We're gonna go to France and England as well. We're gonna be so rich. So we really had some momentum and it really felt like we are on the right path for a while. So you order this product, start selling them, find the triggers to make sure that the sales are actually going wise. Yeah. And then I guess, how long did it take you to sell the first stock, the first batch of business uh, you Here's the first big problem. And the first big problem is logistics. So when you order them, it takes three months until they arrive at your place. So if you order a thousand pieces, three months later, you have them in your garage and you start selling them. Then you start selling, and when you sell about half of them, you have 500 pieces left, you think, hmm, very soon we're going to be out of stock, so we have to order more now. Now the problem is that when we just were at break even around about, so we just had our investment back, we already had to order new products because our stock was running low, and we knew that it takes three months before the new products arrive. So we were just about break even and we had to buy new products again. So we were minus again, you know? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So take it, like, because this production time is so, so uh, long and because it's an upfront investment, so you pay first and, and then you receive the products, it takes you a really long time to start earning money. So the cash flow is really bad. And what, um, what margins? Did you keep on these first items? Was it like the first product? You wanted to be competitive, so you keep like a small market? No, 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 no. We, like, one thing that we knew already back then is we don't want to compete with cheap guys, we want to be the most expensive guys. So, our product was 25 euros per product, and normally a glass cover is for free. You know, usually yeah. if you buy glasses, you just get the cover for free, or maybe you buy one for one euro. So, we were like 25 times more expensive than the competitors. But also we did the marketing, like we made really high quality pictures. We were mark we market this in a way that we say this is the best glass cover in the in the world. Like that was our slogan. We said like the best thing that ever happened to your glasses. If you so like your glasses, if you like your glasses, you know, give them also good covers. So we were talking to people who who spend 150 euros on their on their sunglasses and then also they want to have a really cool cover. So that was our idea. So the margin was fifty percent. So that, that was that was good. Um, but yeah, again, like the problem is that even with these margins, it took too long to, to make money. It took too long to make money. So let's say like when you had to make the second batch of order, yeah, um, did you need to invest like a bit more of your personal savings, or you just not decided yet. to put not yet, not yet, but later we had to because what happened next is we. We made the second, we made the second order, another thousand pieces, or maybe even two thousand. I don't remember. I think we were like, "Yo, bucket, that's like two thousand pieces." Now. Same supplier, same process, but this time they sent us the wrong product. So they sent us a product that looked similar to ours, but it was different. You know, and we got this, and we we're like, "Okay, fuck, this is this is not what we ordered." So it was not a, a sunglass cover anymore. It, it was a sunglass cover. But it looked different. They just changed some things, and you know, like this is also 
something I feel like this is a little bit Asian culture as well because I've I've um, I've been I mean we are in Bali now I've been living in Asia for almost a year now and in this culture it's a little bit like you know it's similar so it's it's the same so funny thing is that in Vietnamese they always say same same right same same and you think they they try to speak English and they say it's exactly the same but in Vietnamese same same if you translate this it means similar you know like it's not the same like they say same you understand same but what they mean is similar and for them in their culture if the product is similar they would consider this this the same so they sent this to us it's a different product it looks a little bit different the material was a little bit different the colors were a little bit different but it's the same shape you know the same basic idea it was a foldable glass cover so in their point of view they have not done anything wrong. They sent us the same similar product. For us, of course, you know, we said, hey, this is not our product, that's different. So that was when the problem started. So you received this new thousand or two thousand units. Yeah. And what do you do? Do you start panicking straight away or you try to keep because I guess that back then the time you received this one, you proof the stock is really low also. Yeah, exactly. So I think we were I think we were really handling this well back then. So I remember like first of all of course we were shocked and we were like fuck my business partner called me because he received the goods and I was like yo fuck they delivered the wrong shit he sent me pictures it's like fuck fuck what are we gonna do but then like this shock was only like an hour and then we were like okay fuck it we knew that this that the problem's gonna happen we we know that we were following a lot of business coaches you know like like all the entrepreneurs we follow them on YouTube we read the books we knew that there's gonna be problems and we had the feeling that, yeah, this is expected, that there's problems. Now there's the point when we can handle them. So what we did is we said, okay, fuck it, we're going to solve this now. We're not going to cry, we're not going to be angry, we're just going to solve this. So as you said, we were running out of stock. So we said, okay, let's quickly find a solution, order a new bunch. Like, let's just not cry over split, split milk. Uh, we have products that we cannot sell now. Let's order new products. And, and make sure that we fix this. And we said, like, in a year from now, we're going to laugh about this. So that's not worried. So you receive this for a long time. When you need to take the decision to keep fighting on that, yeah. and you order a third batch of, uh, of units, right? Exactly. And is this the moment you have to start putting some personal income? Simply? Yes. Now, now, because we were running out of, of cash, now we had to put an extra thousand euros each. So we said, OK, fuck it. Um, we need new product, we're not going to give up, this is what it takes, we both have to put an extra thousand euros to order the next bunch. So you doubled your initial investment, technically? Um, the first investment was 3,000 together, and now another 2,000 together. And when you started the project, did you put a, a cap in no. um, finance or no, time? No, just that whatever we have to make, to, because we really believe that we're going to make this work. So there was no, no, no plan B, there was no... If we don't make this work, then we do this and this because we, we're just really sure it's gonna work. So you start a business on which you put yourself, you put your own, let's say, like mindset, uh, I guess ego also, because that's your project, that's your baby, that's the one you start. And it was fucking cool, you know, like we had this product, the product was cool, we had cool pictures and videos, we had business cards, everything, like and then we really felt like business owners and all our friends started seeing us, you know, ah, you are the guys who do these glass covers. You know, like we, we had some minor success, like some 
like some celebrities in Germany use this glass covers. You know, a friend of a friend was like, hey, uh, I know the guy who started this. And we started feeling really good, you know, like, like, like our friends. We sold 100 pieces just for our friends. Now they were like, fuck, I want one of those. It's really cool. Then we had like a, a tiny affiliate program where we told our friends, like a, like a, like a, it's like, like an affiliate program. We told our friends, hey, if you um, want to buy 10 of them, you get a discount and you can sell them to your friends and you can make money with this. So we really tried a lot of different things and, and it, like, like it was really cool as well, you know? Like even though we were not making money with this and we just were making losses, at this point, still we felt really good about this because our friends knew that we we're gonna do this. They said, "Hey, you're know the guys doing these glass covers. We have this really professional-looking marketing material. We felt like we having a real business." <laughs> so you have the right marketing, the right feeling from the market. You feel like it's doing good, but from the product side, this is when you're having the main issues. Yeah. And um, now, if you just have to to sum up this one a bit for listeners today, what? do you think you should have done back then when you realize that the second orders you receive are not the proper ones? You still have, the, I guess, the friends pushing you because they like the product, the marketing is good, but what you should have done? If you have to take yourself, you put yourself back then and you say, dude, let's do. Yeah, I think we were acting a little bit too fast because we were like, okay, we're running out of stock. We have to make solution fast. We have to order the next bunch fast. We were just trying not to lose time and zooming out, like looking at this from a helicopter's perspective, I would say we should have slowed down, think about what's the next step, you know, order new samples and change the supplier. Because if you have problems like this once, they're going to come again. And this is exactly what happened. We ordered a new bunch. And what happened was that they were shipped again in a different way. Like now they changed to the like same thing. Like, it, was, it looked exactly the same like the first one, but they changed the glue to glue this together. So now, before they had some tapes inside to like, like double sided tape to, to pull this together on the inside, and now they had some yellow glue, like some liquid glue, and at some edges the glue was just looking out. Like it was like really shitty. We told them, yo, what the fuck, why did you change the glue? Like they sent us one price again, and they were like, ah, uh, you know, like it's better glue. And we said, no, it, it's look, it looks like shit. You can see the glue everywhere. It's, and they were say, oh, it's better glue. It's better. It's more stable. And uh, again, like, we couldn't sell the stuff. Um, then we talked to a lawyer. We were like, okay, we, we lost like 4,000 euros at this point with this uh, supplier. We told them we want our money back. They said, no, we cannot do this. Um, we talked to a lawyer. The lawyer talked to a lawyer in China. They said, basically, there's nothing that you can do about this. Like, absolutely nothing. Like you, like, you can't even sue them in Europe, you can't sue them in China, like, you, there's nothing you can do. This money is lost forever, you know? So, with this third batch, how yeah. much money have you been personally, personally putting into this business, from your money? I think in total, like, maybe, like, two, three thousand euros. Three thousand, which is roughly for you two months of, uh, of salary back then. Yeah, around about. Yeah, so, uh, it's been like, and I guess if you still have to pay the rent and so on, you've been putting, like, months of salary in a project yeah. that did not work from the few reasons you've been explaining so far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you receive the third batch, yeah. what do you say? It's like... I mean, again, we were shocked, we were, we were angry, uh, upset, but then really fast we said, okay, fuck it. Um,
Wanna kick off your project with the best of the best? Visit mistakers.co slash Andrew, mistakers.co slash Andrew, and get an expert in growth hacking by your side. Andrew is offering you step-by-step documents to support the launch of any project from mobile application to website. His course includes video, one-to-one calls, and a lot of ready-to-use solutions. Andrew Startup is also offering us an exclusive 15% discount on any of his packages. So, don't wait any longer and hire the best of the best. Hi everyone, so welcome back uh, on our podcast. We just have a small break because it's Bali and the weather outside is just awesome. We have, guys, an amazing swimming pool just behind us. You will have the photo of the swimming pool on the, on the podcast. And that explains why we took a small break. Uh, we're back with Jonas and the Jonas brothers, but we just have one of them today. Let's go back in the industry. Uh, Jonas is in Germany. He received the third stock of uh, sunglass. He actually, a sunglass box he actually ordered. It's not the right one. There is no more cash. People still like the product, but he can't deliver anymore. So Jonas, that's when you start activating the panic button, right? Well, again, we were, we were really handled on this like like grown-ups, I think. We were, of course, we were frustrated, but then we said, okay, like it's a setback. It's not the end of the world. We lost some money. Um, we were still optimistic, so we changed the supplier. Uh, we got some new samples. This is what we should have done after the first long delivery, but we changed the supplier. Um, and then another issue was coming up, by the way. First, people complained that the product is not stable enough. So that was another issue that was coming up. Problem with physical products is always that, you know, it, they can break, they, they can be... Uh, there's so many risks. For example, we had insurance as well. We were talking to like an insurance agent and he said, hey guys, um, with your product, you need to insure because they make insurance because what can happen is some baby takes this in the mouth. The Chinese producer is using some toxic um, materials. The baby dies because it's like chewing on the, on your box, and you get sued, and you can never ever in your entire life do anything because they're gonna sue you for tens of millions, you know. And then so. This is always danger, like the, 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 the dangerous part about physical products as well. So what happened is some people, like some boxes broke when the weather was too hot because the blue melted inside. Like um, that's, there was a problem, so we every every person who complained, we gave them a replacement. Um, you know, like some, some people said, hey, my box is not working anymore. We said, oh, no worries, here's a new one. So, you know, it was another problem coming up. So we were talking to the new supplier. We said, okay, we need exactly this product. We need uh, some new kind of glue that is not falling apart anymore. They have to be more stable. You have to change the material. We got a new sample. New sample of awesome. Uh, we said, okay, we want to place the order. Um, the new supplier sent us the order. This time everything was good, so then it was a little bit more expensive with the new supplier, but everything was good now. We had, I think, 2,000 pieces in stock, and we were ready to sell again. So we, we said, okay, now we are back to where we started, kind of. So this is the first batch you received from products? It's the fourth batch. The first one was good, second and third one were bad. The fourth one was good again, but different supplier now. So you started the first, one, the first one yeah. uh, with negative, negative cash flow? Yeah, definitely. 
And uh, that's very interesting part. So I believe you're under negative, negative pressure because I guess you have to pay the supply of funds. You know, we, 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 we have heard about a lot of stories like this. For example, the founder of, of, of Nike, uh, he also ordered his first products in, in China or Asia. He also had like uh, long products. So we felt like we are exactly on our track, you know, because we knew that other people who made it eventually, they always had, they also had these problems at the beginning that we had. So we felt like, yeah, we're doing everything right. Like, failing at this point is exactly the right way to get to success in the end. So in the bigger picture, we, we said we are on a good path. Yeah, it's very interesting because um, I really like the situation. So you put yourself in a situation on which you didn't put the exits Clearly defined, yeah. and uh, and you keep ordering stocks until yeah. like the things goes back to normal. So when came the the last stocks, yeah. um, could you actually recover? Because like you get the experience of the previous one. I guess you already have the customers, you already have the database of people, you have a bit more experience on Amazon. So how did you started this first uh, batch? What do you mean? How did we start? I did. Um, how did you keep? Promoting it because if you don't have any more cash, I guess like you cannot keep doing the PPC anymore. I mean, the, the, the good thing about the keyword marketing on Amazon is it's a cost per click model, so you only pay if somebody clicks on it. And we knew that because our page looked so good that we knew that whenever like that many people click on this, there's going to be that many sales. Also, what we did is we extended to France, Spain, England, all these other countries. And you, in Europe, this is basically just one button that you have to click in, inside Amazon and you can sell to all the countries in Europe. And then we were um, translating our pages, so we got some friends who were speaking Spanish and French and they translated the Amazon pages for us. So then we were selling in all the European countries and, you know, sales just started working again. Like, like also we started ranking on Amazon, so if you look for glasses box or glass cover, we were in the top 20 or something, so uh, we got some organic sales as well. Then there was Christmas coming up and uh, we we knew that you know Christmas is just like an amazing time for everybody who's selling physical products, especially if they are below 100 euros. So we made a lot of sales with in the Christmas time, you know, we made like I mean, not a lot, but like five, six, seven sales a day pre-Christmas time, and we felt like nice money coming in. Like we we saw the the light in the end of the tunnel. So you see the light at the end of the tunnels, and then what happened? Um, basically, eventually we did the math, and then we figured out that making twelve euros with one case which is part of our margin in, in Germany. In France and Spain it was a little bit less because of the longer shipping ways. Um, so we just calculated how many do we have to sell every month in order to make enough money for both of us to live with this. So let's say average salary in Germany, maybe 3,000 euros a month before tax, and then times two, so this is 6,000 that we have to make. As, uh, that we have to make. Now calculate how many uh, boxes you have to sell in order to get to 6,000. And then, you know, we were just 
realizing that this is maybe not the best business model, like the to, to have this one product that you make 12 euros per product, and then you know 12 euros before all the marketing expenses and everything. So we were putting a lot of our own time into this. This is also something that we didn't calculate because we didn't know how to value our time. We were just working and working and working, and we had this non-entrepreneurial mindset to say, hey, our time is free, you know, this doesn't cost anything, which is totally wrong, of course, because, you know, your time is not free, it's super valuable, but back then we were just saying, like, okay, as long as only the two of us work on this, you know, it's almost for free, and, um, but then we had this mind change, mind shift, and uh, we said, hey, we have to look for a better business model, we, we still sell the glass covers today, they, they still run on Amazon, we still make a few sales, like, I, I don't know, like five sales a week or something, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice 300, 400 euro every month that is coming in, but that's it, like, like we just stopped doing this and said we're going to look for something that is better. Was it, were there any external elements, any sign that, you know, that points you toward this direction of telling guys, uh, do the math? Start making sure that you're making. What any signal element that help you realize this? I think it was a process. It was like, you know, it was just a learning process. The first, the first problems with the, the delivery. Then the second problem with the delivery. Then the problems with the people who gave the glass covers back because they were broken. Then the low margins. Then we saw that our bank account was still on minus. So all these things, like they sum up. And, and they come to the bigger picture, this might not be the best business model. So I think we could have made this work and we could have made enough money with this if we had better understanding of online marketing like Facebook ads, if we were working full time on this because the problem that we had as well is we had both had a full time job, we were doing this, working on this in the evenings, on the weekends. As I told you, I was calling in in my job and saying, hey, I'm sick today in order to work on the glass covers. So, um, it's called John Case, by the way. You can still find this on Amazon. So, J-O-N and then C-A-S-E. You can still find this online, but, um, the and, or you can go on Instagram. We have John Case official, there you can see all our pictures, marketing materials, uh, so you know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, I think it was just a slow learning. We understood that with the knowledge that we have, we cannot make this work in the way that we want, and we need to find something better. So you take the decision with your partners to put the activity on the side and yeah. go to somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So what we we changed the business model massively. The only thing that we kept was the online sales process, but we changed from physical product to service. We changed from low price product to high price product. We changed from Amazon FBA business model to digital marketing, and in every single point, the new business model is better. So, what could be for you the three main learnings you have from this experience? Okay, so the first one is, <clears throat> you need to have a mentor, you need to have somebody who is successful already with the thing that you want to be successful in, to show you the ropes. because. Well, the next business we started, we got really good mentors, we got into the mastermind group of business owners, and they helped us and showed us exactly what we have to do. So that's the first thing. Do you have any books that you read, books, YouTube videos, podcasts for Amazon podcasts, for the Amazon uh, business? No. 
not really known. But also, the books are nice, and they're like good to give you new ideas, good to, to you know, like just get an understanding of, uh, about some things. But the real value is in, in coaching. Like, the real value is in mentors that help you and look at your business and say, this is wrong, this is right. If you have questions, ask me. Like, that's the real, the real way to learn this, at least for us, for us, and for many of my friends, it was the same. So the first big change is get a mentor. The second big change is a, a service is a lot better than, than a physical product. Physical products can break, they can, you know, like they have long production time, long delivery time, upfront investment. So with physical products, first you produce the product, you pay for it, and then you can start selling. With digital marketing, you close the client, He's paying you money, then you start working. You know, it's the other way around. So the cash flow is better. So digital product, it could be it could be Facebook ads, it could be videos. What we're doing now is like animated explainer videos to explain a company service or a company product. Um, then it could be SEO, it could be building landing pages or building websites, it could be um, translations, translation service, any service, design service, nobody side. Anything that is, you know, that you can deliver online and that is a service. Consulting, it could be consulting, coaching, anything like this. So the first tips is uh, for people to don't repeat the same challenges you had in the past, like get a mentor, uh, consider services rather than product, or be aware of the challenges that you're going to have, such as like the time to delivery, the cash flow issue, the product quality, and all the things that may occur when, you, when you're talking about like physical product. What would be the third tips you yeah. could tell? So the third tip is you want to have a high-priced product. You don't want to be cheap. You want to have a high margin and you want to have a high price. Why? Because, first of all, um, you have a lot more options. You have a lot more flexibility. You know, when you have when when you when you when one client is worth two thousand euros in profit, that means that you can put a lot more effort into this client. You can help him. You can give him some discounts. You can um, invest a little bit more. You can invest into Facebook ads. You can you know like just hire somebody to help you with this and that. Like you just have a lot more options. Also. I mean, you just have a lot more freedom with what you want to do. If you have low-priced product, you're also going to attract the wrong kind of clients. You're going to attract cheap people who want to save money, who don't want to have a good service, they want to have a cheap service. And uh, what you want is you want to attract people who, who can afford you, and you want to attract people who hire, like, you just want to have a quality product and are willing to pay for this. Because those are easy, nice clients that you, that are going to be, it's going to be fun working with them. And um, yeah, that's definitely the third tip. Go for a high-priced, high-priced product. And another interesting thing about high-priced products is, is there's no price that people are not willing to pay. If you just think about this, like you can get a, you can get a watch for a hundred euros or you can get a watch for a hundred thousand euros. And there's always people that pay it. If you have the feeling that my product is too expensive or my service, it's never too expensive, it's just wrong targeting. So it means you're just addressing the wrong audience. Okay, maybe for them it's too expensive. But if you change, if you go to, like you can build a website with WordPress for $500. 
but huge companies they building websites for fifty thousand dollars. You know, like there is never too, exp too, too, too expensive. The product's never too expensive. And then the other thing is, if you if people ask me, let's say, hey, I found this guy who's building websites for five hundred dollars. How much is a website if you build this? And I tell them it's ten thousand dollars. They would automatically think that my website is a lot better, right? Because it's more expensive. So they would say, hmm, I can get the cheap $500 website or the really good $10,000 website. It's like the wine, if you go to the supermarket and you have like a $5 wine or a $50 wine, everybody would say the $50 wine is a lot better, even if they have no idea about wine. So that's that's so many reasons why you should have a high-priced product. And, uh... And unfortunately, we're going to have to come to an end on, uh, on this podcast, even though I have like tons of thousands of questions. And uh, <laughs> I'd be more than happy to come back for that. Uh, let's say like, if you could be your own coach, yeah. so if you could be your own mentor, like yeah. Jonas, when you started this project, yeah. you need to Jonas right now. Yeah. What would be the key advice you will give to yourself? To copy-paste something that is proven to work. So when we did the Amazon business, the way that we did this was not proven to work because we just tried to figure everything on our own. But with the second business that, that became really successful, we just, at the beginning, we just copied things that is working for other guys already. And these guys, they helped us, you know, to give us insight into their business. They, they, they were amazing mentors who shared their secrets with us. So what happened is, with this business, in the first month, we made 10,000 euros already. In the first month in business, in the second, we made 40,000 euros. So we already made 50,000 euros within the first two months in the business. And, and you know, like, this is only possible because we didn't have this testing phase. We didn't have this trial and error. We didn't have the learning phase. We just started from zero to 100 because we were just copying every single part of somebody else's business. And then, after a while, after like a few months, we said, okay, now it's time to experiment again. Now it's time to try new funnels, new methods, new ideas. And that's what I meant at the beginning when I said, first do something with proven to work until money is coming in, until you have the resources. And then, step number two is experiment. Make a cool startup, try some new ideas, you know, try to do something that nobody has ever done before. But don't start with this, because if you start with trying something that nobody has ever done before, there's a really, really high chance that it's not going to work. So learn from other people's mistakes rather than do the one you could ever. Exactly. Um, Jonas, thanks a lot for, for your time today. Uh, if people want to find you, have questions for you, how can they contact you? Either on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, so Jonas Azad. J-O-N-A-S-E-I-S-E-R-T is my name on both pages. And yeah, they can just shoot me a message. I'm always happy to help. I'm always happy to refer somebody to the mastermind group that I'm part of or just give some advice. So And uh, all the links will be again available on the description of the podcast. Jonas, uh, thanks for your time in uh, Austinius in your, in your nice house in Bali. Yeah. Uh, we hope to have the chance of seeing you again somewhere. Are you? What's your next country? Um, I'm going to Australia until the winter in, in, in Europe is over, and then I'm going back to Europe. That sounds such a good plan. 
Jonathan, for your time, and uh, and we'll be more than happy to come to see you in Australia and your vision. Awesome, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this new episode of Mysticus.co. If you did, please share the podcast with your friends and fellow entrepreneurs. And if you want to help us to do better for you, don't forget to visit us on Mysticus.co. We see you in a week for new interviews. And do not forget, there is nothing like failure.